Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marts and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, me, you idiot. Knock, knock. Who's there? Episode. Episode who? Episode number 118 of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. Listen, everybody, I am going to keep this introduction short and sweet because on episode 117... My intention was to keep it short and sweet, and I ended up introducing my conversation with Diana Wagman for about 20 minutes. And, uh, and I mean, I mean, whatever, I was really excited to have her on the show, and I was really excited to, to talk about her and introduce her, but uh, I did not intend to speak for 20 minutes. So I am going to make up for it with, uh, with this introduction, and I'm going to keep it super short and super sweet. So... Uh, Diana and I, this is part two of my conversation with the, the lovely, the talented, the hilarious, and my friend, Miss Diana Wagman, the uh, uh, critically acclaimed author of Life Number Six and The, the Care and Feeding of Exotic Pets and, uh, and other books that you should absolutely own. Uh, so last week, my conversation where we, where we left off, Diana was talking about uh, having her first book, option for uh, for a film or or television i don't know if that was specific but i we i think we assume it was optioned for a film and the uh ultimately nothing uh, nothing came of it so um so so diana at the beginning of this conversation uh she's going to talk a little bit about about that about uh, uh you know she begins the conversation talking about uh I don't know if the I don't know if recovering is a fair way to to put it, but you know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, hope and excitement that I suspect goes into having your book optioned, and then uh, then the requisite disappointment that I I have to imagine comes when uh when nothing sort of comes to fruition. So you know, we are going to start part two of our conversation there in just a moment, and uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? Speaking of uh, Diana's books her latest novel life number six it's a wonderful book and she and i will spend some time talking about it in part two of this conversation as well as uh, her other books but you can get yourself a copy of life number six by diana wagman on amazon.com but before you go to amazon.com first go to the official website of this podcast which you'll find at martinlestrapsshow.com once you get there go to the shop page and then uh, click the Amazon banner at the top. Once you get to Amazon, do all the same shopping you were otherwise going to do, including getting yourself a copy of Life Number 6 by Diana Wagman. And because you went through the official website of this podcast, Amazon, in turn, will we'll send a few pennies our way. And then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them into the show. And that allows us here at the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour to make this show as good as we can possibly make it for you, which is what we strive to do week after week after week. So, uh, like I said, at the beginning of this conversation, picking up from last week, Diana will be talking about uh, talking about uh, essentially uh, what life is like after your book is optioned and nothing comes of it. And, uh, and she'll actually spend some time talking about 
uh, one of her author friends who happens to be uh, a very famous author who I am a very, very big fan of. So you will find out who that is in just a moment. So without any further ado, here's my friend in part two of our conversation, Miss Diana Wagner. Was it at least exciting for five minutes or so? Five minutes. <laughs> I'm very jaded now. That's okay. I I, uh, I, pr- I probably would be too, to be honest with you. But the but the nice thing is, uh, well, actually, there's a couple of nice things. On the one hand, you figured out really early on that screenwriting wasn't for you, and despite that, you are you made a few bucks off of it, which yes. is nice. But your but your career as a novelist has been a. a both more successful and I suspect more fulfilling. Much more fulfilling, but less lucrative. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the other end of it. I was going to see if I could avoid that part of it. But yeah, that's also one of the... Uh, uh, one of the you have to write novels for love. You have to. And I think... I think... Uh, I knew that getting into it. But even knowing it, you still kind of think, well... Of course. You maybe I'll at, be the exception. Maybe I'll be Stephen King. Maybe <laughs> Oprah... Um, we'll pick up my book. My first book came out and I had a very good mom friend. We were moms together, mm-hmm. Janet Fitch. Oh, And goodness. her book, White Oleander, came out just right after mine. Wow. And her book went zing, thanks to <laughs> Oprah. Uh-huh. And my book puttered along, you know. And um, I tried not to hate her. <laughs> I hated her a little. But I didn't. I was so clueless about books that I just thought, oh, that, oh, well, when will mine do that? You know, <laughs> or maybe my next one will do that. Yeah. And um, in, in reality, you know, most of us just kind of go along and yeah. we're mid-list authors and we make a little money and they do a little well and you get a good review <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and you go back to the next book. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got uh, White Oleander on my bookshelf. If if you want to pass that along, she probably couldn't care less. But, <laughs> but I loved it. Um, yeah, and I think I think uh, did I didn't. You, I did didn't, you read Paint It Black? Uh, I I didn't. I yeah. I I I saw when it came out. I it was one of it's one of those where, um, I I always suspect I'll pick it up one of these days, but mm-hmm. I haven't read it. Did, how did you? Well, not to put you on the spot. How did you enjoy Painted Black? Oh, I liked it. You know, I hear Janet's voice when I read, so mm-hmm. it's a little difficult. But the movie's sure. coming out. I, I remember seeing an interview or something yeah. recently, a few months ago, where she yeah. was talking about that. So that's cool. Yeah, that's another way. You know, just get your movie, your books option. Yeah, which is which? That's not a bad how to right? Write a write a book. Get on Oprah's book club. Um, <laughs> get a get a movie made. It's a good. You know, I um, would be. I'd be, I'd be happy. I'll follow. The, I'll I'll connect those dots if anybody wants to help me along. Yes. So you've got uh, unless I'm completely uh, miscounting five novels at this five point. Five novels. All right. Now, I'll read. So you've got Skin Deep is the first one. Spontaneous Bump, the care and feeding of exotic pets, and Life Number Six. I've read. Right. I've read. Um, let's see. I read Spont- Spontaneous was the first novel of yours that I read. Uh, the care and feeding of exotic pets. I read second. I'm currently reading Life Number Six. I was mm-hmm. I was hell bent on having it done before we sat down, but I'm a very slow reader. Which, no, you that's know, fine. So, but I but I'm enjoying it. Thank you. And I can tell you that genuinely, I'm enjoying it. Um, so, but well, actually, you know, let me. I'll go 
two steps backwards. So so you and I met when we were teaching at Cal State San Bernardino. We literally right. basically started at the same time because I we were at it was like well we didn't meet this day, but it was sort of like an English department meeting of some sort. Right. Borderline orientation day and I was sort of thinking, well it, it it'll probably look good if I'm there. I you know, so I'll I'll show up. And uh they took some time to kind of um introduce any of the the new teachers and i think if i'm not mistaken you were it was like a like a residence writer in residence right i was a visiting professor visiting professor because i don't have an advanced degree so and um in and, writing and so i remember they were they had introduced you and you were a visiting professor and they were talking about uh your books and stuff and i'm sitting there like holy shit this is very impressive and i always get very like uh I I get intimidated very easily by people I'm impressed by, and uh, and so me. Then, and That's so you're so funny, and so you you know you weren't that far away from me. It's like and so the more they talked, like like the taller you became and the bigger you became. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's so impressive. I can't, I, you know, I can't say anything to her. She's, she's terrifying, but in the best, you know, because you, you've done all these great things. And, um, and so I think, uh, I think probably, you know, either that day or the next, I was, you know, looking you up on the internet and went to see, looking at your books and stuff. And uh, I think I saw you on Twitter. And so, and so I had a I had a brief moment where I was feeling brave. I was like, just send her a quick message. You know, don't be nervous. You know, if I would have missed my window, you never would have heard from me. But I had like five minutes of not feeling feeling all right. So I just sent a quick message <laughs> of, you know, hey, you know, I'm teaching at Cal State. Saw you at the thing, didn't get to meet. And then you replied with something nice. And then I was like, well, that was nice, you know. And then uh, I don't even know how much of this you remember, but it was like the first or second day of class. I think I was going to class. I think you were coming out of the bathroom. We crossed paths. And I was going to keep going because, again, I'm very intimidated. And so mm-hmm. I was like, she doesn't even remember that I said hi. Just just go to your class. And so I think you said hi before me. And you were like, hey, Martin. I was like, oh, shit, she knows my name. That's really cool. Like, I am Martin. And then you're Diana. And we talked for a second. And I don't know if it was in my memory of it. I think you 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 said you bought my book. Mm-hmm. And I think she bought my fucking mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. We just, I just sent her a tweet. What, and I didn't even, I looked at her books. What, what kind of an asshole am I? <laughs> but I didn't buy her books and she already bought my book. So then, uh, so I think as soon as I got home, I, I went back and I know for sure I bought Spontaneous and I bought Bump. I bought those two and then I read Spontaneous first. Uh, shortly thereafter, in just a few, in November of that, say it was like 2012, mm-hmm. uh, the the care and feeding of exotic pets came out, and I bought right. that as soon as it came out. Um, and then just earlier this year, uh, Life Number Six came out. So I'm 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 you know I'm, I'm knee deep in Diana Wagman. For, <laughs> you, yeah, if if you want to pass that well, on, and to then Jennifer. we read together at school. That's the, they oh, invited me to read, and I'm forever and I said, grateful. Oh, please, please don't make me do it by myself. What we ended up doing was, and I'll I'll never forget because it was again it was. You know, just for, you know, no, for the rest of your life, for me, is one of the most generous things anybody's oh. ever done. Because it was, it was some, it was a, ultimately a panel of three authors, and right. there's going to be a moderator to talk about whatever writing. I guess one of the novels pulled out, or novelists couldn't make it, and the, the moderator got in touch with me. I, I think it was literally the day of, and said, uh, you know, we have an empty spot. And Diana Wagman said, you'd be great for this. I was like, what? She fucking bought my book and she told me that I could be on the, and so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Of course I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And so we were on this thing together and it was just the, the night. Cause again, I was just 
we, I mean, we were both just starting at the school, but I was right. just starting at the school. I just met you five minutes before that. You bought my book. You got me a spot on this <laughs> panel. I was like, I think, I think I've just met my best friend. She doesn't know it. I think <laughs> we just writers met... have to stick together. And which is, you know, and so you, and so, and so then after that, you know, we were, we had, well, you had an office. I, I technically I shared an office, mm-hmm. but it was one of those things where they scheduled it where I, I didn't actually run into my. I guess we we're office mates. I don't know. Right. Um, but I, you know, you were down the hall, and um, I think we more or less knew each other's office hours. So I would poke my head in your office and hang out. I remember hanging out in your office for a little while and chatting. And you were, I felt like you were. They'd given you like a like a Mac computer or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my memory of it, you were trying to make heads or tails of it. Right. And you were helping me. You helped me with it. I hope I was. I don't even remember. You were helpful. Yes. Of course, I didn't get to keep that. Oh, of course not. No, no. no. Yeah, because I taught, you You taught there longer than me by about five minutes. I think yeah. I was there for, I was there for, I think, two quarters. I think you must, you were probably there for three quarters, maybe. Yes. Which isn't, ter- which isn't completely unusual, I think, for visiting writers. No, it was, yeah. and they had an opening for, you know, and I was there for the people that, they were interviewing, uh-huh. you know, who came after me. Um, they had an opening for a full-time professor, but it's so bizarre because since I don't have an MFA, mm-hmm. I have an MA in film, which is not a terminal degree, mm-hmm. but an MFA is a terminal degree, I couldn't apply for the job that I had. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, just as well. Full-time job, all those committee meetings oh goodness and yeah faculty meetings and papers and politics grading. And, and even oh god politics that's yeah that's unfortunately that's part of the reality too yes um i always think about the um especially creative writing teachers is how much how much reading there is involved you know with the students because like i mean i do a lot of reading with the, the the classes that i do but you know i can sort of limit the papers and um and i more or less you know they're they're composition essays mm-hmm. But you were, I'm sure you were getting short stories, how long, five, ten pages-ish? Twenty pages. Twenty, oh, goodness. You know, a short story can be anywhere from one page to 30 pages, really. Um, The hardest, you're right, the hardest thing about it is getting all those words in my head (laughs) that are other people's words and other people's styles and other people's voices. And yes, it's difficult when they're not very good writers and, you know, you get that bad writing in your head, but it's almost worse. I just a couple days ago read something and I'm working on something and I read something somewhat similar from a student that was so good. And I went, (laughs) Oh, she's so much better than I am. What? Oh, maybe I should just put this book away. (laughs) It was very funny. So good writing is hard to read, you know, and bad writing is hard to read. Yeah. And I imagine also like when I was, so, so when I, I was also a student at Cal State San Bernardino, and I was studying English, and I was in the the creative writing emphasis, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was my first experience doing workshops and writing. Um, I mean, I, I'd been trying to be a writer up to that point, but it was completely on my own. So going from reading a Tom Robbins novel to, okay, let me see if I can do that. No, right. I can't do that. Reading another novel, man, I'm fucking bad at this. But, <laughs> but I was And so, so, it, so the nice thing about the workshops, it was the first structured opportunity, probably similar to that first editor where I right. could actually get some not feedback. E- feedback and lessons and here's yeah. why you would do this and here's how this works. And then eventually, um, but I was so, 
I was so hell-bent on becoming a writer, it never once occurred to me that that the other students weren't taking this as seriously as I was. Yeah. And so I can only imagine as a teacher how frustrating... Well, I mean, I mean, a creative writing teacher to possibly get a student who's just there just because they have to be there. They're not right. serious or passionate. Right, it's required class or it's, yeah, but, uh, in the, an my, easy elective. Yeah, because in my mind, that would be even worse than... Like, I would rather get a student who was dedicated but not very good. Oh, yeah, me too. Than a student who just doesn't care because I wouldn't even know what to do with that. Right. And then you have to read their you have to read their work. You have right. to which is the other thing about being a teacher that I'm sure a lot of non-teachers wouldn't even wouldn't even imagine that that's you, like you don't know about it until you're a teacher, but it's one thing to have a stack of papers, but then like you're reading a paper and you can tell that they don't give a shit. And you can right. tell they're just doing it, but you can't not read it because you have to read, read it, to it give them the you know and then And you can't really grade them on giving a shit or not. Yeah. You have to grade them on the assignment and mm-hmm. the fulfillment of this assignment. Yeah. I've had, you know, English as a second language students who were so dedicated and worked so hard and had, you know, particularly Asian students who really had a hard time with the language, yeah. just the basic stories, structure, I mean, the sentence structure. But working, working, working. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's an A student. Oh, absolutely. But then I've had students who've had every opportunity sort of handed to them, and it comes very easily to them, and they just toss this stuff off. And it's good, you know, it's yeah. perfectly good. And I just, you know, and you want to give them a C or a D. <laughs> yeah. It's like just for attitude, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just because I know in the hour before class, they were typing madly, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's hard. Yeah. I, 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 not only do I agree with all of that, I've had all the same experiences and even cause I just started a new semester just a couple of uh, yeah, weeks too. ago. And usually on the first or second day of the class, I always try to really make, try to make that point to my students that, you know, that I like, I value hard work beyond the final product. Right. Like if you show up and you're working hard, that's infinitely more valuable to me than anything else you can do, including the final product, even if it's polished and fine and passable. I'd rather see you showing up and working right. hard. And you're going to, you know, if you do that, you're going to do do fine in the class. And I'll, I'll even tell them uh, that it's 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 harder to fail my class than to pass it. If you're showing up and doing the work, you're not going to, you're going to do fine in the class. And and even still, you'll I'll still get the students either cutting corners or trying to, cheat or plagiarize right. or do whatever. And it's like, I, I literally told you just, just do the work. Just but, do the work. Do and, the best uh, you can. Don't you know I could be home writing a novel right now? <laughs> right. And I'm here. And, and I'm, I'm tr- here. <laughs> now with the, with your writing career, so you had your first three books, like I said, Skin Deep was the first one. The second one, Spontaneous, uh, which, uh, which I, that was the first one of yours I read and I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. And probably by your own, own admission, it's a, it's a pretty weird out there novel. But I very, I very much. In fact, that, that's probably as much. I, I think the first chapter involves a, a woman spontaneously Taneously combusting. And so right away, I was like, "I'm, I'm in the right corner. <laughs> this is exactly the book I want." Any book that starts with spontaneous combustion, I'm, I'm in. Uh, the second book, uh, Bump, I, I own it. It's sitting right in front of me. I'm going to make you sign it, and I'm going to make it as awkward as I can as I stare at you. But, <laughs> but that'll be later. Um, I haven't got to it yet. Um, and then, uh, so those were your first three, and that was I'm going to. The years I'm going to check my notes to make sure I have them correct. It was uh, 1997 for the first book, right, or thereabouts. 2001 for the second. 
2003 for the third one. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, a long desert. It was a nine-year gap between... Yes novels and um and you know and and that's not the most unusual thing at all for a writer but you know because the first three books kind of consistent the second or the 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 fourth book there was a a nine-year gap so uh as much as you can what was happening in those nine years well (laughs) bump came out and i i had worked very hard on it and i loved it and um its pub date was the day we went to war or Bush went to oh. war in Iraq. Um, so th- for the first time in my career, there was media planned. I was supposed to be on the radio mm-hmm. and I was supposed to go to New York and things. And all of that was canceled. Sure, yeah. Um, and I was really disappointed. And it didn't get reviewed anywhere and it hardly got seen. And, you know, it was a bad time. And then the publisher went out of business, and I sort of went into a little slump mm-hmm. afterwards. But then I started writing again, because that's the way I feel better. And I started writing again, and um, I decided to write a book about clowns. <laughs> um, I love clowns. Briefly in college, I was a birthday party clown, because it was you know weekend work, <laughs> and I wasn't great at it, but I did it. And I thought, you know, if I gave up writing, what could I possibly do? And I thought, well, I could be a clown. And then I thought, what kind of person is a birthday party clown? So I decided to write a book about a birthday party clown. Not a Ringling Brothers clown, but really a birthday party clown. And I went to the clown convention in Las Vegas, the American Clown Convention. Which is Um, great, because I didn't even know they had a convention. At Circus Circus, uh, of course. Of course. And they have classes, and, you know, it was fabulous. And everybody I met at this convention, I thought they'd be a lot of weirdos and pedophiles, <laughs> but everybody was pretty great. And I met a guy who was head of, or second in command for Homeland Security no in Louisiana. Wow. And he said, I clown on the weekends just to let <laughs> off steam. And, you know, and he looked like a cop. He was sort of muscular. He had a mustache. He looked like that. That's great. Is that the terminology? Like, I clown? I clown. I love that. I clown. And um, I learned a lot about clowns. I did a ride along with a birthday party clown. <laughs> and I wrote this book and I felt really good about it. And it was really long. It was almost 500 pages. And the clown fa- falls in love with um, a magician, of course. And, <laughs> You know, she goes to the clown convention because I wanted to write about that. And somebody's murdering clowns. And, you know, it, I just thought it was terrific. I want to read this book. Keep going. Yes. So I sent it off to my agent. And I said, you know, it's an early draft, but I I really like it. I think there's something here. Months go mm. by. One month, two months, three months. I didn't hear a thing from her. And she had said to me when I sold Bump, she said, do all your books have to be so weird and quirky? (laughs) So she wasn't my biggest supporter Uh. to begin with. But um, I I had written this clown book. So I call her finally, and she says to me, I couldn't get through it. Mm. I just hate clowns, she said. (laughs) And everybody hates clowns. And you should never write a book about clowns. And I couldn't get through this. Goodness. And I said, oh, you're kidding. It was awful. And we ended up fighting about it because I said, you just should read it. And she wouldn't read it and wanted me to write something different. She wanted me to write 
um, like a Bridget Jones diary, but for um, a single mom. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to write that. I'm writing about clowns. <laughs> and we parted company. I lost my agent. And I came home and I threw that book in a bottom drawer mm-hmm. and said, that's it. And I floundered. I really did. I didn't know what I wanted to write, what I should do. And that had taken me three years, you know, three or four years. Oh, sure, yeah. So I I was depressed. I was, you know, whatever. And um, time went by, months went by, probably six months, maybe more. And I took that book out of the bottom drawer mm-hmm. and I thought, well, what do I like about this book? Forget the clowns. Mm-hmm. What do I really like about this book? And at the very end of that draft, the woman gets kidnapped. And that's kind of the climax because mm-hmm. somebody's been murdering clowns. And then the murderer kidnaps her and she fights back and da-da-da. And this happens and that happens. And it's resolved. I that's really love end. this clown book, by the way. It's breaking <laughs> my heart that it's not available. And it's resolved. And I said, well, you know, I love this kidnapping. I really like that. So I threw away 460 pages or something, the mm-hmm. first part of that book and kept the last 30 and started a new book with the kidnapping. Um, And that became the care and feeding of exotic pets. But it was not, again, it was not an easy road Mm because I had not, they, you know, publishers look at your last sales. Oh, sure, sure. And so they looked at Bump and it hadn't sold hardly at all. And then they look at this long wasteland yeah. So And I had to find a new agent, and I did find a new agent, and then he quit the business to go to med school. <laughs> I think he was 12. Um, he actually called me to say, I'm leaving the business. Um, my parents really want me to go to med school. <laughs> and what could I say? I was like, oh, that's good, David, you do that. Um, so, and then I had to find an agent again. Goodness. And Which, of course, finding an agent at all is just... It's really hard. Extremely hard. Really and most, hard. most authors never succeed. So the fact that yeah. you had one, and then and you then went I to medical school. And then I had another one, and then, <laughs> yes. Um, and I sent out, and I remember this so well, um, I sent out 57 query letters. Mm-hmm. Out of that, 17 responded okay. and asked to read the first three chapters or 50 pages or mm-hmm. something. And 17 is a pretty good number, too. Yeah, I thought that was good. I had a little bit of a track record, and I think the um, little blurb you write, you know, in the query letter. I've written a book about a woman who's kidnapped by this guy who has a seven-foot iguana. Uh I think that was intriguing enough to make them read. So um, out of that 17, there were five who asked to read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And all along the way, you know, there are lots of them you never hear from again. And out of the five, two people wanted to represent me, which was really great. Yeah. And one of them was in L.A. and one of them was in New York. Mm-hmm. So I met with the young man in L.A. and he was young and very new to the business. But I thought, you know, it makes him hungry. Mm-hmm. That makes him and he's probably not going to med school. <laughs> um, and I said to him, so who are your other clients? And he said, oh, I'm so excited. I just signed Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> and I went, oh, well, that's really not my kind of book, but okay. And then I had a long talk with the woman in New York. I didn't go to meet her or anything, but we'd talked on the phone for a long time and we liked the same books and we liked the same authors and, you know, 
yeah. we laughed, we talked, I liked her, so I went with her. And then she tried to sell this book, and it took a long time. It took almost a year. Okay, wow, yeah. And do you remember, okay, so if it was published, how, how uh, do you remember roughly when you finished uh, the, the care and feeding book? It must have been 2010. Okay. So I finished it around 2010, then and maybe... And then she finally sold it in December of 2011, and then it came out in November of 2012. How, because um, it was with the IG Publishing, how right. how involved were you, or how involved did they let you be in the process in terms of, I'm, I'm always curious, like with like cover art and things of that nature, or even the title, like I know sometimes they, they'll change the title, so like how... How much of uh, how much did they involve you in the process? They liked the title, but I had changed it with the um, agent with the med that went to med school. Mm-hmm. The original title was Cookie, which okay. is the name of the iguana, mm-hmm. and um, he really hated that title. <laughs> and so we went round and round about titles, and I came up with this one, and he liked it. Um, it's funny though because I I was at a event like a panel like you were. And here I have this book, The Care and Feeding of Exotic Pets. And this woman came up to me afterwards and she said, I have a rabbit. And I said, uh-huh. And she said, that's kind of an exotic pet. And I said, yeah, that is kind of an exotic pet. And she said, any tips for me? She thought it was actually like a how-to book or something. I said, it's really a novel. Um, so I guess there were problems with the title. But um, so, yeah, then Ig liked the title they sent me copies of the cover, and we discussed, you know, there were three ideas, and I liked this one. We all sort of agreed on this one. It was a really lovely process with them. They had changes. They cut out the last chapter where I tried to tie everything up in a very neat little bow, uh-huh. and um, they said that's not necessary, and they were exactly right, I think, and they were fantastic. So this next book is with them as well. And it was a harder process, mm. bigger changes, and we fought about the cover and <laughs> um, fought about a few things. So, uh, And they're called IG Publishing? IG. See, uh, this whole time I it thought they like were... It looks like IG, I know, but it's IG. IG sounds better. They it should does. Tell them to call me, and I'll give them some feedback. <laughs> tell them to get a new name. <laughs> uh, so the care and feeding of exotic pets, though that was a, it was a Barnes and Noble discover new author selection. Yeah, uh, which is great. Which, I, which is great, but you know it was my fourth book. It's like finally they discovered me. <laughs> but for them, it really was a discovery because they didn't even carry Bump or Spontaneous mm-hmm. or Skin Deep. I mean, Barnes oh. and Noble's very picky about uh-huh. what they carry. Yeah. So. Yeah, and even more and more. Um, Part you know partly, mostly I think as as a result of the publishing industry and it's it's uh it's evolving really rapidly both with the uh, ebooks and uh, Kindle and that market kind of growing and um the the uh, you know there's there's the like the big like the the big authors Stephen right. King and you know they're fine. But then beneath that, you know, the money that might normally go to a mid-list author or a new author, it'll go more towards, you know, a reality star or a politician. Exactly. And all of a sudden there's not money left over. And so then a store like Barnes & Noble, uh, to sort of stay viable, you know, they're going to, you know, they'll have the, the big names on there and they'll have the celebrity books. And then you'll see, you know, like movies and board games. And it's almost becoming more of a department, department store than store. a... 
in a bookstore, which means it's going to be that much harder for anybody to get a book actually uh, on their shelves. Well, and they used to nurture authors. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd write a first book, and it would have a little buzz, but nothing. And then the second book, they usually say second book slump, you know, so Mm -hmm. okay. And then your third book. I mean, they used to say... You know, when you get to your fourth or fifth book, you'll start getting the attention you deserve. Mm-hmm. But now, that first book is so important. Yeah. It's such a big deal. The first published book is like, and that's what I tell my students, you know, you you got to work hard on mm-hmm. this first book because yeah. it can make you or break you. Yeah, which is scary and, and you know, it's unfortunate and scary, but also true and it's, and especially for a first author who not only do, not only not only do you, do you want to have like the, the 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 best book that you're absolutely capable of writing at that moment but it's also you're also anonymous cuz it is your first book right so then it's just getting anybody to even pay attention to you whether it's an agent a publisher or a reader it's this amazing uphill battle just to get any which is partly why you know when you told you you bought cuz that was my first book that you bought and I was like, fuck, that was, you know, I can barely get anybody to buy this book. And I just, you know, it's like the nicest person I ever, I ever met. Um, in between Bump and the Care and Feeding, the, uh, which, which again was about nine years, somewhere in, somewhere in that path, uh, you had a, a story that I want to hear about that involved you visiting a witch doctor. Oh, well, and, things were so bad that, you know, and the writing was going badly and I was so depressed. I was desperate. And my um, friend said she had a daughter in preschool that my daughter knew, and um, somebody there had said to her, oh, there's this great curandero, curandero, a man, witch doctor, who really can tell the, you know, tell you things. Well, I don't speak any Spanish, mm-hmm. obviously, and <laughs> um, he spoke very little English, but I went to him and took this aide from the preschool who was bilingual, mm-hmm. thank God, as my translator. And, the you know, it was spooky, wooky, weird, <laughs> you know, things hanging and fabulous, fabulous. And I'm sort of a believer, you know. I, I'm not a disbeliever, uh-huh. I'll say. I'm open to it. I love ghost stories, yeah. love all that stuff. So I go. Um, he looked a little bit like a lounge singer more than a... You know, I I don't know. I expected Dumbledore, and yeah. he looked more like hair slicked back and a <laughs> shirt unbuttoned to his waist, you know, and stuff. But he sat me down, and he and the first stuff he told me was, you know, he could sort of see that I was a mom. And he said, you have two children. And I said, yeah. And he said, a boy. And I said, and a girl. You know, I'm like the, <laughs> the psych extreme. You know, I'll just help him out. Um, and all that stuff was kind of okay. And he said, he said something about, you know, I see your work, but I see you having to get through a jungle to get to it. Like you're hacking away at a jungle. And, you know, that's, I mean, I, literally I was not. But mm-hmm. metaphorically, that's the way I felt. You know, I couldn't get to the writing and plus I had these young kids and I had dogs and I had a husband and you know it was like it and just in my own head Mm -hmm. I was having a hard time getting to this book and so that was really interesting and then he said the most wonderful thing it was really true he said you know you really don't have to worry about it he said you just have to give up 
the fear. Hmm. That was his thing. Give up the fear. And I knew exactly what he meant. Because after my bad experience with the clown book and my agent hating it and losing my agent, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. I thought, I can't write another book. I don't know how to write. What am I doing? You know? Um, This is terrible. And I thought, yeah, I should just write. I should just write, not think about, go back to that first book and not think about selling it, not marketability or if an agent will like it or reviews or any of that, just write for me. Just write the book I'd like to read. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard. I'm sure you've felt this too. You write that first book and there's that rush of blush of, you know, this is great, this is fun, (laughs) it's good. And then the second book, you're already thinking, you're sort of thinking, well, this person said this, should I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, this person said that. And then, you know, so for me... I had those little devils on my shoulders, Uh like in the cartoons, going, don't write that. Somebody else wrote that, and they did it better. And someone else said, oh, the reviewers will hate that. And you're so quirky, you know, everything anybody had ever said to me. Uh And I really, thanks to this Curandero, I sort of had to, I realized I really had to push them away. Mm -hmm. You know, no wonder some writers drink. Um, (laughs) I can't write drunk. I've tried. But... That, you know, to get into that zone or whatever, I just had to say, you know what? If it sucks, it sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm just going to write. And little by little, you know, I found my rhythm again. He also told me to light a candle and not um, (laughs) every year on my birthday and not let it go out. And he sold me this pink quartz rock for way too much money that sits by my bed. And, you know, it's like, and he also told me um, to not turn on lights in the bathroom when I use it. So, you know, it's like, and I did all that stuff faithfully for about a month. And then. He was so excited he sold you that pink quartz, though. Yeah. Because that was was the core of it. He said, if I can dress this up enough and make her believe enough, maybe I could sell the quartz. And, you know, who knows? Things have gone okay. Yeah. I mean, because that that eventually led to the Karen Feeding book, right? Yeah. But I went by his store not too long ago, um, and it's gone. So. Oh, well, you bought the quartz, and he was like, I can't top that. (laughs) 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 You know, just uh, get get out on top. I stole Diana the quartz. Let's move on. Uh, I keep, I keep, I keep fixating on this this clown book. I can't be any more sincere with you. I fucking love this book. Well, I'll tell you. So, Black Clock Magazine, which is the magazine out of CalArts, yeah, d- did an issue where they asked writers to give them something that had never been published that they loved, mm-hmm. and they asked me, and I sent in um, the first chapter. Mm-hmm. Of the clown book, um, where a clown is killed, right? Just like it's supposed yeah. to be, right in the yeah. beginning. And um, woman's walking around in her big shoes and stuff. And I sent <laughs> it in, and they took it, which was surprising to me because I thought everybody hates clowns, yeah. but they took it. And then they had a launch party for the magazine, and they asked me to read my chapter. So I thought, okay. So I read my chapter, and people howled with laughter. I had not really realized it was a comic <laughs> novel that other people find clowns so hilarious, you know. 
But um, they did. And, you know, the clown floating in the pool and his <laughs> white face, you know, drizzling off into the water. They laughed. They thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, you know, going back to that book. Please do. I am. You've not said one thing about this clown book that hasn't made me happy. Yes, so I think I'm going back if, to if it. My, if my opinion has any weight whatsoever, this is a home run. And I, I have my new uh, agent, and I just won't tell her that everybody <laughs> hates clowns. I just not mention it. Say, say there, there's, a, there's a podcaster, and he, oh, he can't wait for this fucking book. Fucking book to come out. Ugh. And I have to say, the Ringling Brothers was here, or they were in yeah, Anaheim. Yeah, very recently. Yeah, they yes. were even just uh, like five minutes from here. Yeah, and they had open call auditions for clowns. And I went oh. just because I love clowns. Yes. Yeah. And I told them I was a novelist, and I was writing a book about clowns. I didn't tell them it was a bad book, and <laughs> I'd lost my agent over it. I just said, I'm writing a book about clowns. Can I just sit in? And I sat there uh. and watched all these people audition to be a Ringling Brothers clown. It was fantastic. I, uh. I mean, the things they made them do and <laughs> the things, the little acts they had themselves, and they were... You know, there was a middle-aged housewife, and there was a 19-year-old boy and who wanted to be a clown since he was five, and so great. Oh, I would love that so much. I might, the book that I'm working on right now, it's actually about the circus. And uh, there's definitely going to be a clown in there. I haven't got to him yet, but I, 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 know, I more or less know what he is. Um, the research I kind of find is a little bit tricky because I couldn't, I couldn't find a whole lot. Of, I found a few books about it, and I kept thinking if I could just hang out with the circus but i don't even know it i wouldn't even know who to who to ask yeah but uh but at some point i'd love to hang out with the circus if i can in fact if anybody's listening to this please invite me i'll go hang out with you guys (laughs) um one more thought i had because i know the i know i have to let you out of here pretty soon um there's a a documentary at this point it's it's relative well i say old maybe Maybe 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Actually, or maybe, no, maybe closer to 10 or 15 years old. Uh, it's called Capturing the Freedmen. Freedmen. And, um, and so I, 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 like, I wonder if you know the backstory of how that got made, because it's so similar to you. Right. Which is uh, he was making a documentary about birthday clowns. Oh. And so along the way, he was interviewing all these clowns, has all this footage. But one of the clowns, there was a certain darkness about him, and he investigated a little bit and found out this clown... Uh, I mean, not the well, yeah, the clown, but the actual dude. Um, his brother and his father were um, had gone through this thing where I think the, they were in prison, and there was this child molestation. Yeah, yeah. And so then at some point, I guess I don't, I don't even, I don't think. I think it was more on his own that he realized that you know he wanted to pursue that. And, That's the story, and that yeah. became the story. And so, when, so when you were talking about you know you started this this clown book and it became. This other book, which is very, I, I don't, I mean, it's literary, but it's sort of a, a bit of a thriller and there's a kidnapping. Yeah, it's very definitely. exciting. And um, except in your case, I want to, you know, I, I, please. <laughs> Go back to the I'm going to be, you, you're going to hear from me every day <laughs> until that book comes out. I desperately want to read this, this clown book. Um, uh, let's see. I feel like I had something else I wanted to ask you. Well, you, we didn't even get to your new book, but I know I got to get out to here in a, in a few minutes. But uh, Life Number Six is the new book. Anything? Uh, anything you want to say? Well, I, I, I mentioned earlier. I'm reading it right now. I'm very much enjoying it. Uh, one of the things that struck me about it, and then maybe you can t- talk a little bit about this, uh, is I didn't. It took me a couple chapters to realize that you were switching um, between the third person and the first person, mm. and because there's no, there's no. 
um, not that there would be an announcement, but like I like I've read books um, where maybe there'll be like a character's name in the heading right. and you know, whatever. And so I, I was reading one chapter and uh, I, I saw that it was a third person, and I remember thinking, "Oh wow, that's interesting," because it felt so. You know, yeah, it felt like person. I was in her yeah, head. Yeah, I was like, but I guess not. Then I get to another one, and then the Fiona character right. references herself. I was like, wait, that didn't happen. Then I, I had to literally flip back to the beginning and went through. Oh, I'm and sorry. See, it shouldn't be that. No, no, no. Don't even be sorry. I, it's not even that I had to flip through. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going crazy. Right. And uh, but then once I realized what you were doing, um, I, I, I loved it, and I was fat. I'd never, it, I'd never seen that. It never occurred to me to do that. So I'm curious how much of a how much thought you you put into that, and if there you know was there a particular reason why, or you just kind of stylistically you liked that. Well, the present day story, the present day Fiona is mm-hmm. in the first person, and the past Fiona is in the third person. The past, the being lost at sea and the shipwreck and mm-hmm. things that happen, um, happened to me. Oh goodness, those are real from when I was about that young woman's age. And I wrote that first. And, you know, I sort of, it's been a long time, but I finally decided to write about it. And um, I needed to write it in third person to have some distance, number one. And because I didn't want it to be about me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a memoir writer. It's fiction. Um, So I made it third person. But then when I wanted to write about that same girl grown up, you know, 30 years later, present day. I wanted to be in her head. She's not me at all, you know. (laughs) So I made it first person, and I thought, this is really weird. But it's almost like, for me, I felt like it, like the first person voice was telling the story of the past, and so she's telling it like a story in third person. Um, so it was a very conscious choice, and I debated about it, and I went back and changed chapters back and forth, and then that was just the way I heard them in my head. Mm-hmm. So I wrote them that way. Um, I had a reviewer say she really didn't like it. Um, was, that, and, was that the New York Times review? Yeah. I was, because, uh, I, I, well, two things I have. My One, one I remember you rep- mentioning that a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of reading that review this morning. I was skimming through the middle parts because I'm I don't I was I didn't want to catch any spoilers. Right. But I went to to the end, and um, for what it's worth, I disagreed with her. But she did say that. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, it was a very strange review, but whatever. <laughs> um, I was lucky to be in the New York Times. Yeah. Um, so that was a really conscious choice, and it's hard. It was close enough to me. And what really happened? I mean, everything that happens on the boat yeah. actually happened. All the things that go wrong actually happened to me. The Coast Guard coming actually mm. happened to me. I'm not spoiling it, I hope. Mm. Um, but then those characters, what the impetus to write the book was really about the owner of the boat, mm-hmm. the guy that hires me and all these people, because he's fascinating to me. Yeah. And I wanted to explore him. And in an er- the original draft, we're in his head. We're in everybody's head mm-hmm. that's on the boat. So it's third person in everybody's head. And actually, my editor said, it's just not working. You know, it takes away. We've learned too much. We know 
sort of we know the end and the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to cut them away, you know, and it's hard, but I did. Sure, yeah. So now I have that all saved. Maybe I'll put it in the clown book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really enjoying it. And I, in fact, you know what? I, I already threatened to do this. So I'm going to go ahead and push my books uh-huh. your way. So you've got four books. I got to sign them. You have to sign them. I less pressure. Just what you know, I'm just going to be happy to get uh, get my book signed. Uh-huh. And uh, in the meantime, I'll see if I can uh, embarrass you by reminding you of uh, uh, both both both. Well, first, how much I appreciate you uh, coming out to do this because um, uh, this isn't your only obligation for the day. You know, later this evening you're going to be in a, in Pasadena at. Uh, uh, what are you doing? You're going to be at Roman's Bookstore. I'm at Roman's, and I'm with another writer, Lisa Glatt, okay. who has written a book called The Nakeds, which I enjoyed very <laughs> much, um, also based on a true event, but fictionalized very much. She was hit by a car oh, as a little girl, and um, very different than what happened in the book. But that started, and I think her parents were nudists. <laughs> so um, that started this whole book for her and this is my true event so we're going to be talking about how you take yeah. autobiography and make it fiction that's great that's cool and uh so yeah so you at the bookstore you were kind enough to come out and uh and do this because i've been wanting uh, you know i've been wanting you to be on the podcast for a uh, long time f- for a while and uh and and i always knew you were willing to do it so i was never i ne- never wanted to press you about it but yet the new book out so the so the timing seemed uh, appropriate uh, also something i forgot i don't know if i ever uh, at least not face to face. I never had an opportunity to officially thank you for, uh, for, uh, for, for reading my, my vampire, uh, for my, my vampire book. And so good. Thank you. So, so good. <laughs> and, uh, and, and beyond that, you were, you wrote just the, the most wonderful, generous, uh, blurb, which is on, it's on the back, it's on the back of, uh, book one. And I also, uh, you know, used it again for, for the back of book three, good. cause it was so good. I wanted to get some mileage out of it. <laughs> And, uh, and so, cause even that, cause I mean, just, and, and you know, cause like, again, like I'm such a slow reader mm-hmm. that, uh, that, you know, anytime somebody asks me to read anything, my, the, the first thing I think is like, Oh fuck, it's going to take me a while. I hope, you know, I mean, I'll do it, but this is going to take a while. And I hope they don't think that I'm dragging my feet or anything. Um, and so you agreed to read it and you were kind and then you said some really nice things and, and, uh, and I appreciate it more, you know, how Beyond what I'm trying to say right now, I appreciate Aww. it so much more than you probably realize. So thank you so much for doing that, and 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 even just the way that we met, I, I still, it's it was so it was it was like, uh, uh, it, it it seems like such a just you know the 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 uh, the confluence of events that kind of had to uh, kind of put you into my life. It was so precarious. We could have so easily never crossed paths and. Uh, and you know, I hate even thinking about uh, you know not not being buddies with Diana Wagman and sitting down and doing a podcast and you being generous. Yeah. Even 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 reading my, just even if you even if you hated it, just the fact that you <laughs> bought it and read it, like you can't even I can't oh, even no. tell you. I You're can't such e- a good writer. And what I couldn't figure out at San Bernardino was they had you there, <laughs> and I you know I thought they've got this fiction writer here. Why aren't they using him? Why aren't why weren't you on that panel? Why weren't you teaching creative writing? Why? But, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's the politics of college, from, academia. From, from your mouth to their ears. Right. That was the, and the, but even that, even that's very kind of you to say, and I appreciate that. Um, 
But uh, but Bianca, if, if we if if there's only one thing that came out of this conversation, the the most important thing is is finish the goddamn clown book. <laughs> Get it out there as soon as possible. I'm going to be first in line, whether it's an actual line or in line on Amazon. And, uh, and, and I'll have you back, and I'll, and I'll make you sign that in front of me while we're recording the podcast. Uh, and either way, I've, I, I've, I've technically kept you a little bit longer than, uh, than okay. I was supposed to, but, but I had to get my book signed. happy to be here. I appreciate it. So thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. There you have it. That was my conversation with Diana Wagman. And by the way, please hurry up and finish the clown book. Pretty please, pretty please finish the clown book. I cannot wait to read the clown book. Um, <clears throat> just for uh, just for the sake of uh, uh, of an update for those of you who uh, who were who, who were uh, just on pins and needles, I I, I I have no inside information. I have I have no idea how close Diana is or is not to finishing the clown book. I am just like you guys at this point, just uh, just waiting, waiting, waiting. So Diana, by the way, if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, and I suspect that you can, please hurry up and finish the clown book because I can't wait to read it. Uh, and when you do finish the clown book, that would be another wonderful excuse to have you back on the March and the Strap Show podcast hour, which I very much look forward to doing one of these days, Diana, having you back on the show. And for those of you who would like to hear Diana back on the show, uh, one thing that you can do is subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And here's the thing. First of all, it's free. And second of all, every week a new episode drops into your iTunes list like magic. I do it for you. You don't even have to think about it. So when the day comes that Diana Wagman is back on my show, just one day you're going to pick up your phone or your iPad or look on your computer and you're going to see there's a new episode. And right there it's going to say Diana Wagman. And then you get to jump for joy and then press play. That's how I do for you. If you're not an iTunes listener, that's okay. Not everybody is. You can also catch the show on Stitcher Radio, which is also free. Get there at stitcher.com. And if neither one of those is a, is a you know an option for you, you can always listen the old-fashioned way by going to martinlestrapsshow.com, where all 118 episodes of the podcast are available. And starting next week, all 119 episodes will be available for you. So, that said... I don't think there's anything else to talk about. Uh, just let me take a moment to thank my guest, Diana Wagman. I I, I said this last week, and, and I'll say it again this week because I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Listening to this conversation put the biggest smile on my face. I absolutely loved reliving this conversation with my friend Diana Wagman. Uh, she's the best. She's the absolute best. At this point, two episodes later, you guys, you guys, for those of you who who haven't had the the the, the great pleasure of meeting Diana Wagman, you can now, in fact, you don't have, I was going to say, you can take my word for it. You don't have to take my word for it. All you have to do is listen to episodes 117 and 118, and you know that I'm telling you the truth. So thank you so much, Diana, for being on the show. It was both a pleasure and an absolute honor. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, For those of you who are fans of Diana Wagman, and maybe you've never listened to the show, but you've listened for these last two weeks, thank you so much for hanging out and listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And I hope you enjoyed yourself enough to stick around for uh, for next week's episode, episode 119. Uh, because, uh, frankly, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to do next week. But uh, chances are, um, chances are next week I'll have another guest on the show. And maybe it will be another wonderful out there. I don't know. We'll find out next week. That's how I roll. 
sometimes. Uh, and in the meantime, go backwards and listen to previous episodes. If you enjoyed this, then uh, it is my suspicion that you will enjoy the previous episodes of the Marginless Trap Show podcast hour, so check them out. And that's that. That's that. That's going to do it. Um, anyway, thank you, everybody, for, for letting me entertain your ears for the last hour or so. And until next time, I will see you on the other side.